Welcome to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am your host, Doug Winters. Today is episode 30 and the first podcast of 2019. And I'm delighted to start out the year with the incredible David Beam. David is an event designer, which he will explain to us uh, as different from a planner. And I'm getting better at this podcast thing. <laughs> I'm getting, I have new, new skills. We actually have a theme. We start and end like a good term paper with the same question. What is it that you really do? What, does, what differentiates a designer from a, a planner? And let's jump right in because this is the one that I think every wedding couple should listen to. See you on the other side. The people who walk in this door don't do this. They don't understand what they need to do. And they right. don't understand the process. And it's, it's daunting. And I realize that. So if someone hears about you, you did a friend's wedding or... Well, and exactly. People will say, well, you did my friend's wedding. Mm -hmm. Well, do you know what I did? Not many people have been inside a bar at, at, at three, three in the afternoon. <laughs> yes. And it just stinks. The carpet is disgusting. And you don't want to see it. Everything smells of, you know. Because one of the things I used to do with Ronnie Davis is he used to, he used to use uh, the puck building all the time. Sure. Which was just. I think I've done some parties with Ronnie Davis at the puck we've building. We've probably worked together. I'm sure we have. So they don't know how that room goes from zero to the David Beam experience <laughs> or well, to the Ronnie Davis experience. Well, and, you know, and so many people don't even think about where does this flower come from? And for a wedding, your flowers are going to come from South America and Israel and Africa and Amsterdam and California and Miami and upstate. And we have to know how to bring all that in. And I think the thing that a lot of people don't think about is when to bring them in so that all those flowers coalesce beautifully at the same time because every flower has a different shelf life because they open up, they expose all of their inner parts to show their beauty so that a flower's total job is to reproduce. That is the reason for a flower right. is so that the plant can live. A flower is its sexual part. Right. So it has to be beautiful to oh. reproduce. And when the flower opens all the way, it exposes all of its organs right. so that it, it can reproduce. And then it dies. It doesn't necessarily know that it's been cut off at the roots <laughs> and won't reproduce. Right. But it, it has a job. And so it's my job to know when all of those flowers are sexually active and open and they're most beautiful to attract the bees that will fertilize it to make seeds down the road. So it is our job to understand how all of that works in every flower so that I bring your tulips in to develop them on Tuesday, but the roses don't have to go into hot water until Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we bring the little more delicate flowers in so that on Saturday, they all look like they belong together. And ju just think, all of those, every flower 
comes from all over the world, ends up in my place in the Bronx. Everything flies into JFK and gets delivered to my warehouse from all points all over the world. I have people, I, I can literally call a farmer in Holland and say, what's in the field? Can you cut it for me? So, and we can have it the next day, if need be. You know, yeah. of, of course, there are standard routes right. of flowers. But happily being David Beam, I can now call and say, please look around. I need a farmer who has this ready to cut and it's ready to go. And I literally, if I call them in the morning, it goes on the plane that night and I have it in my Bronx studio the next day. Wow. From Holland. And there it has to be cared for and rehydrated. The flimsier the stem, the colder the water, the woodier the stem, the hotter the water because the water has to move through up to the blooms. So you like could have a degree in botany. Well, you know, it's if if you're you have a business and don't want to throw out all the flowers and have to go buy more, you better damn learn how, yeah, how that's they a work very good point. Very quickly. Mother Nature doesn't care whether you want it to be beautiful on Saturday or not. Right. You have to coerce it. And again, like Preston, we do so much more than flowers and a lot of what we do is logistic. It's moving tens and tens and tens of thousands of little pieces from point A to point B and making them all organized and beautiful for your wedding at point C. That tablecloth, mm -hmm. we I only sew custom tablecloths because rental, you don't know where it's been, you don't know what it looks like, mm -hmm. and I want it to fit the table perfectly. The fabric leaves California, comes here, be sewed, different textures, colors, um, and how they react to a table. Do they float on the table? Do they hang on the table? It, it, you know, it's what energy does the color and the, the fiber of the cloth give and how it reacts with light. Because, you know, the tablecloth you see in this room now with daylight is going to be a completely different cloth in theatrical lighting. What we do, whether it's set or flowers, it's an investment. It is, this is not an inexpensive proposition, especially getting married in New York City or a destination wedding. You know, we just did a huge wedding in a field in Michigan. Wow. <laughs> There's, I looked at the client. Just a field. Well, <laughs> just a field. And I, I, the client, of course, turned over and looked at the bottom line and was like, what? And I said... Think about this. There's no electricity. There's no water. There is no, there are no roads. It is a field. There's What's, nothing. What time of year was it? October. Oh, wow. In Michigan. So, so that could be frozen. Well, we ended up having torrential historical rain. Oh, my God. Winds. Um, Preparing for outdoor cold. things is a whole it, other it thing. It snowed. It, it, <laughs> oh, and, and the guests never, yeah. you know, we had to plan for all those eventualities. Right. Because right. a guest can't be convenient. And that's, I, I think, the, the biggest thing about a wedding is that, yes, it's your wedding, but you're asking people to stop their weekend and come and spend time with yes. you. Yes. So you absolutely have to care about everything that happens to them and for them. 
you know, how are they going to feel when they leave? If you ever have to interrupt. No, oh, no we're, oh. we're fine. Oh, okay. That's one of my artists. She's like one of the most amazing artists in the world. And really? Just, you kind of say, can I get this done? Okay, sure. That's my production manager. <laughs> uh, you, have you have to, to surround, surround yourself, yourself with, with the best. amazing, the best people. Otherwise, you can't do this because my clients, we service the 1% of the 1%. And there are expectations that go along with that. And if I can't meet those expectations, then I'm not in business. It has been 20 yeah. years of, of really tap dancing to make sure that we meet expectations and exceed them. You never know. Like I had a bride in Barbados say, it never rains in June <laughs> in Barbados. It never rains. I don't need a tent. You don't understand. Uh -huh. I've been coming here all my life. It doesn't rain in June in Barbados. And it rained like hell for her wedding. And we made it work because we had a plan. Back to Michigan. As the tent started going in, like I said, we had historical rains. They've never had so much rain. We had 45 semis coming in and one semi across a field and you're sunk. So we literally had to have a logging road built out of four by four oak beams to get the trucks in and out to the tent. And you have to have all this in your back pocket yeah. ready to go. You have to know the worst case scenario. And you got to know the phone numbers. This client, the Michigan, absolutely understood. Once I said, do you know there's nothing there? <laughs> <laughs> it's real pretty, but. Yeah, and it, it really was. no running a, water. A, no, there was nothing. Wow. So I, I said, once you understand, there are no tables, no chairs, no tent, no stairs, no carpet, no flowers, no Walkway, nothing. no walkway, no, no entrance, walkway, no bathrooms. No. It was a big wedding. We had a lot of staff. Like what's a big wedding? 300? It was 500. 500, okay. Um, with 300 staff. Now, by the time you get my staff and lighting and rigging and electric wow. and all the entertainment and the waiters, mm -hmm. think about all those people. And do you know what? All those people have to eat. And if you'll, par <laughs> and if you'll pardon me, all those people have, have to, go to, to the bathroom. go to the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, and wash up and have a place to change yeah. out of heat. It's 20 degrees outside. So all those people, in addition to the guest, have to be taken care of because they're going to get there at 9 in the morning and leave at 3, 4, 5 a.m. And those are the most important people because yeah. those are the ones executing your plans. Right. They're telling your story for you. Yeah. So there's a reason weddings are so cost expensive. money. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't have to be. Girls are born, and some guys, let me not be. Listen, as a. And some guys, they have a dream about what that wedding is going to be. Right. And that's my job is to create that dream. Daddy doesn't sometimes have the budget for the dream. Right. And so then that's my job to figure out how to cut. Well, where to, where to possibly cut? Where to, where to focus. You know, the thing that I do with lighting, I always say the reason lighting is important, what at one time I had a, uh, I think it was like the plaza or the pier or something, mm -hmm. and the, the father was going, well, there's lighting in there. Can't we just use the chandeliers? Why do I need it? So I 
it was during a prototype and I had theatrical lighting already set up so you can see what it looks like in theatrical lighting. And I went over and uh, pulled the plug out of the wall. Oh, that's funny. And he said, got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you ha- there are elements you have to have. And lighting, I think, is one of the most important elements because it allows me to direct the eye to what I want people to see. And rem- remember back in that club you were talking about, <laughs> yeah. the, the clubs are so dirty. Yeah. I hate to tell you, some of the ballrooms aren't so pretty with all the lights on either. <laughs> I, know. I know. So when you turn those lights down and use um, professional lighting to direct the eye, all of that goes away. And you create the magic and you help people to see the magic and demand that you look here and don't pay any, any attention to the carpet. Subtly, though. Yeah. There's so many tricks of the trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. to make the magic, to make the dream happen. Are they hiring you to do everything? We don't plan, and I do that on purpose. Okay. We are producers, and you look at us as your art director. Okay. To make sure that we focus on what what people experience, mm-hmm. smell, see, touch. Not so much taste, although we do mm-hmm. consult on the on the taste. We don't I always say, I don't care how your Aunt Ruth gets to the wedding and I don't care how she gets home. I care that she has a great time while she's there. I got it. So, so whereas a planner does the transportation. Transportation and people logistics. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that is, and you have to have someone handling that. Of course. You. Of course. And you have to have someone uh, handling the budget. And that's, right. that's what planners do and do well. Right. You know, I want to focus on the artistic part of your party. We're not the numbers people, we could be, we don't want to be, you know. So will people come to you first or go to the planner first? Both. Okay. Um, we have, we have planners who come to us all the time to produce for them. we just did Marcy Bloom, right. just did uh, Norma Cohen, did a wonderful uh, mitzvah for her. Mm-hmm. But also people, because we in the industry don't do a great job of differentiating or defining what our jobs are, people are confused. And with good reason, because everybody approaches it differently. So if you call us and say, hi, I want you to do, to do my wedding. Like <laughs> yeah, said, yeah, yeah, I know. Happy to. You're going to need a planner. Let us hook you up with one. We meet with people and understand their personality and say, you know what, I've got somebody for you, and then get them together. Because the planner's going to handle contracts and timelines. My big picture is the evening, the ceremony in the evening. Their big picture is approaching oh, yeah, through right. and, and, and after and, the, and then the next, the next morning. Yeah. yeah, it could be a week. So my big picture is enough for me. Because there's so many moving parts. I don't want to add on. There are plenty of designers out there who have in-house planners. And we've had an in-house planner. Uh There's a country song called Do What You Do, Do Well. (laughs) That 
I don't want to try to do everything. I need to focus on what I do. And there's so many thousands of parts. I, that's what I need to focus there's on. There's literally thousands of parts. No, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of parts. Wow. Think about one table. What's okay. on there? Okay. The table. Right. Ten chairs. Ten chargers. Kate yeah. Edmonds taught me what a charger yeah. is. I never Show knew. Plate. I never plate. knew. Yeah. Ten sets of silverware, which could which include... Could, yeah. Seven six, pieces of... A. Yeah. yeah. At least three glasses per setting. At least a dozen candles. Centerpiece... A centerpiece or centerpieces. Which could involve how many flowers? Starting at 150, 200 stems. Okay. Right. You know, so... All of that has to come in all at the same time and coalesce and be beautiful. And be perfect. Now. Magically. Now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and by the way, did you iron the napkins? And did, you, <laughs> yes. and did you steam the tablecloth? Or did they just add someone onto this table and you have to change the table size? Do you have another cloth hanging around in the back? I don't want to pay for it, but do you have another one? <laughs> so you have to have you a have, dozen extra You have of to be able to... the the. The things you have to be able to pull out of your ass are incredible. Yeah, incredible. Because I can't afford it to screw be. up. Because that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. I was a band and choir director. Really? Yeah. It was high school and I had taught marching band and I had show choir and the whole wow. Where was this? Down in the mountains of Virginia. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And then... Um, one day said, I'm going to get my master's in musical theater. And so I was one of four people selected to the musical theater, theater program at San Diego State. Picked up and moved to California and said, what the hell have I done? While I was Do you know Jack O'Brien? Of course. That's hysterical. Yeah. Jack O'Brien was my mentor, Bob James's college roommate at University of Michigan. <laughs> it's <laughs> a small world. It's a small world. I couldn't afford a moving company or anything. So I put all my stuff in my little trooper and moved across the United States, drove across, broke down three times. <sighs> one, one of them was the engine blowing because I decided to take all my stuff to the top of Pikes Peak. Because <laughs> you figure as long as I'm traveling, it, I might as well. Yeah, let's see, it, see the USA. Yeah. Not in a trooper. So I had no money when I got there. And I went into my advisor and said, I'm here. This is what's happened. I am broke. We'll see what happens. Right. As I was sitting there, San Diego Opera called and said, we need someone who knows education and music. No. As I was sitting there, she said, I'll send him right down. And so I ended up actually writing an a educational program for San Diego Opera that w was on the road for years. And... Um, was also the sort of liaison between the opera and the orchestra and the unions. Mm -hmm. So I got... People don't understand that either. <laughs> that's a whole thing. Um, I was the one when we would bring in a foreign conductor who didn't understand how unions... Right. I remember we were doing Rusaka with Rene okay. Fleming. Yeah. And we were doing the Sitzprobe and we were almost at the end... And the union guy was looking at just tapping his watch, going, it's time, it's time. And I was like, I kept signaling to the conductor, 
we got to, you got to stop, you got to stop. But he wouldn't because he was Hungarian and it was beautiful. And it was going great. <laughs> That's it, yeah. And I literally had to reach into the pit and stop his arm. Or wow. we, or we would have gone into overtime. So that was my job. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. so popular. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but what I learned from opera was one, how to work with unions and how logistics and how it all has to happen and scale. But what it taught me was what I do is theater. Mm. You know, in weddings, it is my job. When that curtain opens at an opera, you want people to, and that's my job is to have people go when they walk into a ballroom, you know, and how do you create Just that? to take the breath away. Yeah. Because the, the, dad spent a lot of money or the bride and groom spent a lot of money. Everybody, there's a lot of people spending their own money now. And I want people to feel good. I don't ever want people to feel like, I paid all that for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I do, (laughs) I had a um, bar mitzvah dad come down from Westchester, and he was a money guy. Okay. And he was looking at the bill, and he was like, when are you going to take this public? I said, you want to step in the back and check out the books? I bet you'll go screaming. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I love what I do because I love what I do. Right. I. It is not a huge money-making proposition. Right. We charge a lot of money Mm -hmm. because we have to, because what we do is very expensive. You know, bringing things from all over the world. The, the, the big party we did with Marcy, did you see the big gold orbs? Yeah. We we had them made in China because there's nobody here who does that. And then having them chipped. Yeah. And finding out the tariff and holding. <laughs> I, don't even get me started on that. We'll not go down that road. But, um, well, if we go back to flowers, you got to know where they're coming from when. Oh, so give me an example. Starting in May, I can follow spring uh, for peonies. I can follow spring up the East Coast out, and then I can follow it up the West Coast. All the way up, I know the numbers to the last person in Maine who grows the last peonies of summer. And now they're growing them in Alaska, and I have that number. And, <laughs> and then we switch around to Australia and New Zealand and bring them up from there. How do you trust I know that's a funny way, word to use, but I mean, you know that you've got this very demanding client. How do you know that you can trust someone in Australia to get them to you in time? Because I won't buy it. Well, getting on time is not a big deal because we we usually build a day or two. Okay. In on purpose, yeah. On purpose because flowers are the first things kicked off of an airplane when there's an over. Oh, is that right? Load, yeah. They're the first things kicked off. So you you. With flowers, you have to have a plan B. Because if it sits in on the tarmac in the summer, I'm going to have mush when it arrives. And you know that because you know the flowers. <laughs> I, because you studied I've the had flowers. that happen. <laughs> All right, so how'd you go from opera in San Diego well, to I, doing this? I, uh, because my degree was in musical theater. Right. I was going to move to New York to be a Broadway star. 
and I have an audition since I got here. I got here, and I was like, oh, oh you you uh, singing, dancing? Yeah. yeah wow, yeah. no kidding. Yeah. I, Did you perform in San Diego? Mm-hmm. Some. What was your, what's your favorite role? I'm just curious. Uh, <laughs> to date, I think Charlie Brown, and you're a good man, Charlie Brown. That was, <laughs> this is no joke. That's, a, that's actually a good role. It's a great role. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. But I, I was Og, the six-foot leprechaun in um, Finian's Rainbow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it, I, like, what, would you, what would your dream role be like? Uh, La Mancha, or oh, I would want to be Billy Bigelow, but this Billy Bigelow. I wonder what he. Never mind. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I've said I I got to work with Pavarotti, Carreras, um, Placido, Renee Fleming, uh, Richard Leach, uh, uh, Dame Joan. That's why I said La Mancha because it's the most sort of it seems like the most operatic of the. I could, roles, I, could, yeah. I could do La Mancha, sure. Yeah. But, um, and I got to work with all the big names in opera, but I got to see Tina Turner. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I've gotten to work with Patty, and I got to see Elaine Stritch, and those are the touch points of my life. Yeah. Because I got to experience these people live. Ray Charles yeah. was, was incredible. Yeah. So again, all right. So I, I don't so think did, we're talking about weddings. Okay, so sorry. Right, so let's get back to weddings. This is great, though. I'm having a wonderful time. If, and and you let me know if I'm holding you up. Oh, we're good. Um, all right. So musical theater, opera. You want to be a, uh, you come to New York to be a Broadway star. Mm-hmm. And I quickly you realized that <laughs> that's I, I I am too much of a control freak to give it give my soul completely over to a director. And that's what you have to do. You, you have to be funny. able to trust them. And I knew I couldn't trust to that the the point that you had to. Interesting. To be well, how about if you had star. like a Jerome Robbins or a Michael Bennett or? Well, yeah, yeah. But what is the chance? What were yeah, the chances exactly. of me working <laughs> okay, with there them? There you go. They're dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Uh, how you, how you got into this business? actually got here and needed to make some money. So I got the job as the company manager for New York City Opera's uh, traveling company and took La Traviata out on the road for 98 performances across the United States. <laughs> so okay. which immediately took me back out of the city. That's funny. Um, I had three buses and two tractor trailers on the road for four months, and I will never do that Again. But you learned I, so much. So much about organization. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got back and said, okay, show business is not okay. what you're going to do. What are you going to do? Now what? I grew up, my father was a wonderful florist. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And so I had helped him in his shop. And I said, well, maybe I want to work with my hands. Mm-hmm. And started working here and there and ended up. Uh, sort of managing uh, seasons on 53rd and 8th. Okay. And was on this thing, this new thing called AOL, (laughs) talking to somebody about yoga and the tantra. I don't know what. (laughs) And so it happened that it was Philip Balloon. No. Yeah. Who was... 
you know, there is Philip Balloon, Paul Bott, and Robert Isabel were the three guys who came out of Studio 54 who were the decor people for Studio 54, and that's when all of the fundraising was happening in New York, and people were just giving extravagant galas, uh, and it was those three guys who were doing it. So Philip, I happened, we went out to dinner. We, he said, we're in the same neighborhood. Let's go get some food. So it did, right. and we sat down, and he said, you work at a flower shop? Oh, my gosh, I'm working for a designer, or looking for a designer. Oh, wow. And I am just that type of person who just kind of jumps and says, I can do that. And so I was with him for a year and did learned how to do large scale events because certainly back then mm-hmm. oh, the events yeah. were yeah so this is now uh, that was 90s 90- no 90 i i started my business in 98 so i guess i was with philip in 96 okay and then went out a little freelance and then just started and then three years later did michael douglas and Catherine zeta jones wedding so it's been quite a ride. That's incredible. Yeah. So I, I guess people like what they see. You know, it's really funny that you mentioned the name Robert Isabel because <laughs> when I was interviewing Preston, he, he said, I have to thank Robert Isabel because he taught me more is more. <laughs> is more, is more. I remember working, <laughs> I, I ended up wor- working in, in some of that time there with Robert also. Right. Um, and I remember doing an arrangement. And he didn't talk. He he just not effusive. He just didn't. Speak. For those for those who don't know, these are the people who who started special who events. Started special, you know, glamorous, the glamorous special events. Yeah, they were the the, the over people. the top. Yeah, yeah. The, right. and Robert would just come by and go more, <laughs> more. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's I remember going to pick him up at the Seattle Seattle airport and watching him watch the world. I will never forget that. Really? He just walked through and took very slowly, took every visual component of that airport in and you could tell he was filing it. It was really amazing. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm seeing something here. That's interesting. And months later I was managing a job for him, uh, he was off doing another job. He had booked another big job, and mm-hmm. they just threw me in with somebody else and to make this happen. <laughs> and as the trucks were being unloaded, there were all these different, I remember all these different pinks coming in. And I thought, what in the hell could he be thinking? This is awful. This is just, <laughs> oh my God, this is going to be horrible. And we got in and turned on the theatrical light. And it all blended, and it was all gorgeous. So it all comes full circle. And, and I went, there you go. Lesson learned. Lights. Yeah. Well, and, and lighting and understanding that, you know, the color that I'm looking at on this can mm-hmm. is not going to be the same color in theatrical lighting. Right. It's white here. It's not going to be white in there. And so it's... That is, you, that you, is really You have to learn how to look at a color and know that it's not going to be that color. What was Lauder? Estee Ronald? Mrs. Lauder. (laughs) (laughs) Looked at me one time and said, Mr. Bean, if my lipstick is black because of the lights, we are going to have a problem. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know, you put red lipstick in red light, it's black. So you wouldn't know that if you didn't have all the background right. in theatrical lighting. You and really have to, and I look at part of my job is, do people feel beautiful and elegant in the surroundings? And if I have lit the room with green light or blue light, nobody is going to feel beautiful. All the lighting people that I work with know that if I find LED light on a face, we're going to have a problem because nobody looks good in LED light. It's cheap, it's wireless, and it goes up in a jiffy, and you can control the color of the light, but you can't control how the eye sees the light in a room. So I insist on incandescent light on faces. And they hate me for it. And is and that it cost more money? That's what I was just going to say. Is that easy to explain to a bride? Uh, they don't understand. No. Just like this is how much it costs. You got to pay that. Okay. Because you have to have it. Because trust me, <laughs> yeah, there has to be an element of trust. I mean, take a picture of uh, these people who bring in the um, American DJ LED lighting packages. Yeah, I I know. I, I'm sure you've sat under those lights many times. Many times. You look like hell. I know. I know. And, and and you look even heller in photographs because um, digital cameras can't read the frequency of red. And it... Wow. And it, 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 a digital camera doesn't understand what it's reading in that LED light. Okay. And so you can't get but a red specific? color. Red specific, but red and blue, you know... They, they sort of vibrate on different wavelengths. And so when you're taking an LED photo, which most people are, right. if I was taking an analog photo, you could adjust the color. Analog meaning an old-fashioned film. Yeah, film. Yeah. But if you're taking an LED, right. there's only so much because the LED is only vibrating in a smaller area than traditional white light. Right, here's a question. Do photographers ever get pissed off that you know this and that you have to well, say no, to they them? No, they, they appreciate it. Yeah, I, I often, especially in a ceremony, will, if the photographer gets there early enough, I'll bring him in and say, snap this, see how it's reading to see if we need to adjust it. Oh, that's smart. Because I need it to look good. That's right. how I sell, <laughs> you know, people... Yeah. Look at my work on Instagram and my a website. After it's done. And if it looks like hell because of bad lighting, right. I can't use it. So if I bring the, you know, there are photographers who go, are you serious? Sure, I'll come. And yeah. there, there are some who expect it, and they should expect it. They should look at what we've done to the lighting. Because if you don't, how are you going to fix it afterwards? You can't fix it in post sometimes. But... But like I said, LED light vibrates in a smaller wavelength, whereas incandescent has many colors in it. You know, it's funny. You're talking like a like a music producer, which is which is really interesting that your background is, well, is, in, look, is in music. Because I orchestrate weddings. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, and during the night, uh, when do we bring up? The color in the room. When do the lights start spinning? Because they have. Oh, so it changes throughout the night. It has to. It can't feel static. I mean, it, it I'm can. just worried if people are dancing. I don't look. Well, right. <laughs> You're but, now going to start but, looking. But with lighting, we help you get 
the energy up in the room because I, I want everybody come unless you're hitting people with a big dance set as mm -hmm. they come in the room. Right. It's usually normally just some nice welcome mm -hmm. music. Everybody gets seated and you go to the first course and stuff. Yeah. I like getting people dancing. The I, they I love the band just cranking Me as too. they All come right, in. And, yeah, that's great. But if you notice... You know what? Because they've been... I always rationalize it with the, with the bride and groom, saying, look, they're sitting for an hour of the ceremony. If it's at a church, it could be two hours ago. Right. And the standing for an hour of cocktails. Let's get them dancing. Yeah. You know, for 10 minutes before you come into the room. Yeah. That way, when the... you come into the room, you have a dance... If, if I'm doing my job right, you have a dance floor full of people that I can just say, can we make a little bit of room, you know, for right. the bride and groom, introduce the bride and groom, and they're surrounded by their friends right. and loved ones. And, and people are up and breathing and not, yeah. not drunk in the corner. Um, I, I love doing that. But if you notice, they don't walk into swirling lights. The lights right. swirl You're not walking into a disco. Right. Yeah. You know. That's funny because I'll say to people, I don't want to... I don't want to hit you with earth, wind, and fire when you first walk in. I'm not going to hit you with something that you, you'll go, oh, my God, i got to You get better it. hit me with earth, wind, and fire. I, oh, in the stone makes me so happy. I can't believe you said that. That is my single favorite record of all I, time. I, it's just, if I need to smile, I put oh that on. God, me too. Because <laughs> it just makes you smile. It is so brilliant. For anybody that doesn't know, it's called In the Stone by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I'll, I'll put a link to it. Please. Would you, would you say that in general, there was one thing that the bride, groom, the whole family had to kind of understand about what you do, that there, there might be a misconception or a lack of understanding that the, the price you're charging is for X? I think when you go to hire a designer, mm -hmm. and one, you, maybe you need to determine if you want a designer, maybe you need a florist, you know, someone who's going to bring... Are you using the house table clause and you're just going to bring in some centerpieces? Oh, you go, don't, then you don't need you. Floor. No. It cost me a lot of money to move the trucks out of the warehouse. And all your linens are handmade. And, and, and it's, it's all handmade. We hand do all the flowers. We make the scenery. You know, because our customers want custom. They don't want anything that's been seen before. And, and so... Look, you can have quick, quality, or quantity. You can have two of those. You can <laughs> never have all three. You can't. You can have quick and quantity, but it's probably not going to be quality. Right. You can have quantity and quality. Yes. Price works in there somewhere. <laughs> what, yeah. what is that? But yeah, it's going to cost money. Right. Sorry. I, Sylvia Weinstock said to me years ago. Love Sylvia. I love and adore her. The queen of, of the over the top wedding cake. wedding cake. Like she'd have edible flowers. That was her right. first thing. Yeah. 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 So she's really a legend in the, in the industry. But, you know, and she charged for her artistry and because she had to. Again, cake making ain't a money making proposition. Right. Because of the labor that goes into it. Yeah. So this is what it costs. And she would say to people, you know what? I've asked my staff if they would work for free, they won't. <laughs> labor in New York City, oh, you know. It's crazy. I, I have a friend who has a quite successful design business in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And he pays his top designers $17 an hour. 
that's my person who sweeps the floor, you know. So it it's not a myth about New York. No, it costs money to live here. Yeah. This may be a newsflash, but if you want services, you got to pay for it. Yeah. And we're not out to take advantage of you. I'm sure there are people out there to take advantage of. And you have to trust your gut. If it doesn't feel right, maybe it's not right. And you need to move on to somebody else. You know what I want to do? Uh, I want to thank you so much for your time and your generosity. I, I want to do another one of these, if you would, about destination winnings. I'd love that. Because I know. And we'll get Christina, who is my oh, perfect. My goddess of destinations. Once again, not an inexpensive proposition, but boy, howdy, is it wonderful. Well, that's a perfect note to end on. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Let me just tell you where you can find both David and me on Instagram. David is at David Beam Experiences, B-E-A-H-M. And you can find me at Doug Winters, Inc. As always, I'll see you next time.